Well, good afternoon and welcome to Deep in Scripture. This is your host, Marcus Grodi, and you're hearing us from the studios of the Coming Home Network International. Thank you for joining this Deep in Scripture. This is a, an opportunity for us to just take a moment and uh, look at Scripture through the eyes of the church. And what I often do in this program is to invite a former guest from the Journey Home program to join me to talk about a, a particular Scripture of of his selection. And so our guest today is Steve Gleason. He was a recent guest on the Journey Home. Steve, are you there? I am here, Marcus. Thank you. <laughs> it's great to uh, be with you again so soon. Uh, yes, and, sir. You too. And I also want to say that we've had great feedback from your program uh, and your witness on the Journey Home. And I, let me thank you again for joining us, joining us uh, on the program. A, it was a blast. It was a blast being there for sure. <laughs> Well, the first question that I ask before we get into the scriptures, I ask my guests on this program is, it's possible that some of our listeners haven't heard that episode of The Journey Home. So if you would, very briefly, uh, introduce yourself to the audience. Give us a little bit of your background. Sure. Born and raised a Catholic, uh, born in Los Angeles, uh, was taken straight into Catholic school, thank God, um, all the way up through eighth grade had the opportunity to serve as a an altar server, we would say now, huh, Marcus? Yeah, He was right. an altar boy back back there in the day, huh? And <laughs> and so uh, had a chance to do that for three years. I loved it. Uh, you know, after leaving Catholic school, on into public school, and, you know, that began to cut into the chisel a little bit, uh, but <laughs> continued on with a— uh, you know, the relationship that I did have with God. I loved serving in the church. I loved being in the church. And, uh, you know, life kind of all of a sudden uh, in the area that I was raised in began to move in on me. And I, you know, slipped like a few others have done in their walk with Christ and walk with the church, no doubt, and found right. myself, yeah, down in, in San Diego. We were raised in Orange County and uh, down in San Diego, and uh, I drifted far, uh, very disappointed to myself, disappointed my family with who I had become. And uh, all of a sudden, I met some people on a doorstep in Mission Beach down the street from where I lived. And they asked me a certain question. And Marcus, let's get into that question that uh, proceeds out of the Gospel of John here in just a little bit. All right. All right. Well, so we're, I'd like us to, uh, to turn to John chapter 3, particularly verses 5 and 6, but the text, you know, most would consider is from 3 to 6 of John chapter 3. All right. Let me read that for the audience, uh, because what you're saying is that this was a verse that changed your life. Yes. Okay, man, you know what? I can say Ibid, because it did <laughs> too, way back Great. And for me, it was during the time of Chuck Colson's book and in the early 70s. So let me read that. I'm reading from the Revised Standard Version, chapter 3 of John, beginning with verse 3. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born anew, or again, as the footnote says, he cannot see the kingdom of heaven. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time? into his mother's womb and be born. And Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. 
that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. You know, Steve, I got to say something before you go on. Yes. You know, I, I've read this this verse a gazillion times in my life, praise God. And uh, But it's funny, as I just read Nicodemus's word, how can a man be born when he is old? You know, I'm thinking, that's the first time I remember reading that when I'm age 66. So it hits me differently <laughs> now than yeah. it did back in the when I was in my 20s. Uh, being born again, and I'm wondering if if uh, you can relate to that yourself. <laughs> yeah, every every year that verse seems to have a little bit more of a <laughs> kind of a twist to it, you know, a little bit more uh, terminalness to it. Yeah, <laughs> it, 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 and that and that's healthy and that's good, you know. It is. <laughs> so how did well, that, that verse hit you back then? Well, so what happened was I'm I'm heading down the street uh, by the beach and I met these people. And in a, in a brief conversation, basically, they said, are you born again? Well, I'm, I've been studying Catholicism. I mean, I was, like I said, I was a Catholic kid. You know, fourth faith formation was there for us uh, in mass at least once a week during the week. And then, of course, on Sundays, I'd never heard that expression. And so I didn't even really know what they meant. And I passed that conversation by uh, and you know, it, it, they began to explain to me what that meant. And I thought I wasn't born again. This is so while we're talking today, I really want to target in on this, particularly for people that, you know, are considering coming into the church and have heard this and and this expression is felt that Catholics don't even aren't even born again or don't know anything about it. Let me give you an example. So I'm, I'm in Oceanside, California, uh, two, two weekends ago for the World Body Surfing Contest. Well, at Oceanside at the beach, right across from the beach, they, the, the ocean, they have an amphitheater. And every year, uh, an evangelist comes in, and they have big signs, uh, healing and miracles, come get your miracle tonight, you know, great preaching. And so it fits about 2,000 people. And so it's always, you know, a pretty rough crowd that shows up there. And it's a different evangelist usually. And so as I'm down there, two different people walked up to me as I'm just around the area at the contest. And one guy just passing me by says, hey, you saved? And <laughs> he didn't even make eye contact with me. But, you know, a lot of people from the local churches there were come out to this crusade. And in the daytime, you know, before the evening comes, they're out witnessing and sharing and Marcus, we know what that's all about, right? You're just right. out there. You're excited. You're going to, sh- you know, hopefully lead somebody in the in the in the final prayer to lead them to Christ. And and, and then this other guy walks up to me. He goes, "Hey, man, you saved?" Or no, he says, "Hey, man, you born again?" And and so I I laughed and we had a you know a conversation about that. But this is this is so relevant today for the evangelical and for the 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 catholic um because the the evangelical is for sure convinced that the catholic is not born again and the catholic a lot of times doesn't even know this particular uh text or this scripture so this is what i kind of want to get into and and break this apart a bit more Uh, and, and and just just before going uh on in that direction let me say what uh what john piper uh you know a pretty pretty well known present-day uh, pastor and author. So right. somebody wrote into his, wrote into his radio, wrote into the radio show 
said, hello, Pastor John, I'm reading this right now. This is exact question. A close friend of mine passed away recently. He was a great man, a good friend, a mentor to many young men like myself and a devout Roman Catholic. My questions for you, Pastor John, are this. Will I see my friend in heaven or do his theological views make this impossible? Can I rightfully experience Paul's sorrow yet always rejoicing mantra or was my friend merely a devoted husband, a good friend, a wonderful man? In other words, Pastor John, do you believe that devout Roman Catholics can be genuine Christians? I'm like, wow, <laughs> don't tell me that that person really asked that question. And we know, you know, what Bishop Fulton Sheen says, that there's, you know, not a hundred people in America who hate the Catholic Church, There, but there's millions of people who hate what they wrongly believe to be the Catholic Church, and it's a very right. different thing. You know, I... Again, uh, you and I haven't talked about where we're going with the study, but it, what, what it jumps at when I hear that question from that that sincere man to to Piper, uh, it reminds me of my own experience with this. In the sense that I was brought up, I would say, a nominal Lutheran, and then when I was in college, and I was confronted with this very question, um, which was coupled with John 3.16, about believing, whoever believes shall not perish but have everlasting life, as well as what we call the Roman Road, which was a collection of scriptures. Well, at the time, and I had this life-changing experience, as you did, uh, I, I thought this was just absolutely clear what this was saying. And like your friends on the beach for a while there, when I was in college, I was trying to convert everyone, including my dog. I mean, I was just so oh, yeah. enthused, okay? <laughs> but then when I discovered that this verse didn't merely separate born-again evangelical Christians from Catholics, is that it, it divides Protestantism, too, because I discovered yeah. not everybody shared this particular view that I did as you did. Well, and and so what had happened was uh, I didn't know about this expression of being born again. And within a couple of weeks of meeting these these people, I thought I got born again. I But what had happened was I really realized all the teaching and the training that I had as a Catholic merged with my actual commitment to turn to Christ in a in a real and devoted way to be serious about a walk with God, to, to, to forego some of the stupidity and the foolishness of the flesh and the, the life that I'd had, that commitment joined with my sacramental life of my youth merged together, and I thought that was being born again. I didn't really r- realize that it was just that, that incredible formula of sacramental life as a youth and a, a, a commitment to you know live a right life based on the teachings that I had had. So I went on you know to become a pastor as I shared with you and you know went to Bible school, you know went up to another city, you know started a church from scratch and as I told you before, was going to win the world to Jesus in 10 years or less. And that didn't (laughs) happen for some reason. But I went on for, you know, uh, 
three, three and a half decades of preaching you must be born again and telling that to Catholics. I mean, we did crusades. I, I, I spoke in open air meetings and in, you know, other countries and mostly countries that had a Catholic background. Yeah. And I'd preach you must be born again, you know. And so what I want to, you know, kind of really move in on is particularly verse five of John chapter three. So I hope our listeners have broken out their Bible, turn to the book of John, turn to verse five of chapter three, and and let's dig into this a little bit. All right, great. Go ahead, Steve. So Jesus answered in verse five and says, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Well, this kind of becomes a conundrum, doesn't it? Um, If you you know, go and start scratching at the surface of the Bible. And, you know, we know that that non-Catholics believe that Catholics don't have any scriptural background and that they are averse to the fact that, you know, tradition, capital T, and scripture cannot merge together. Um, but, but we know that they do and that the church is taught historically in what we call baptismal regeneration. What that fancy term means is that when you are water baptized, whether as an infant or as an adult, you are born again. And I can just imagine if, if any of our listeners who, who don't have a Catholic background are freaking out to hear that expression. So let me say it again, <laughs> that uh, an infant at two days old, and I'm sitting here holding my own baptismal certificate, um, which I, I absolutely love to, to just look at, um, that 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 water being put upon the head, done by the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, causes a human being, whether older or an infant, to become born again. Their their life uh, takes a whole new change. And interestingly enough, there's a lot of different terminologies for that. We see in 1 Peter 1, it's, you know, we call it the new birth. Uh, the new man is exposed in Ephesians 4 and over in Colossians 3. A new creature in Christ. We all love that verse out of 2 Corinthians 5.17. In fact, one version I read some years ago was that we're a new creation yeah. in Christ. And that Titus talks about uh, a regeneration. And St. Paul to the Roman church talks about a new life. And again, in Romans, the circumcision of the heart. So there's all these different expressions. But what we get at here is that if, if, if you see the water as the amniotic fluid that a, that a child lives in, along with the Holy Spirit being able to enter the kingdom of God, that, I must say, is erroneous. There's, no, there's nothing in the Septuagint. There's nothing in the New Testament. Even one of the great... Uh, Kittles is one of the, the lexicons that, that, you know, is used to help interpret and understand Scripture. And there's nothing that can even come close to G- being interpreted that Jesus is talking about the fluid that is wrapped in, that a baby who lives in that fluid in his mother's womb is what it takes to be born again. So, again, the, Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water— and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. So it is being born of water has to be 
water baptism. It cannot be oh, yeah. just because right. you're born, you know, and coming forth out of the out of the water. Otherwise, Marcus, every human being could would has qualify. to have come out of the water would qualify, <laughs> and yep. we know that that's not true. Right. There's a, you know, I'm wondering, Steve, if, I mean, there you were having had been baptized as a Catholic, as a child, as a baby. I had been baptized at age seven as a Lutheran. And the truth is, thousands of Christians had been baptized as Christians, but then later in life, they had this born-again experience, as you did, as I did, and others did. Mm-hmm. Why did they feel, I mean, what was the need for this experience? If they had baptism 5, 10, 15, 20 years before. So I think what occurs is that, particularly for a Catholic who is sacramentally baptized, or even we know that you don't even have to be sacramentally baptized by the church to be considered baptized. That's how gracious, you know, God yeah. is, and having given that uh, dogmatic truth to to the popes down through the ages, that you know that was it was sufficient for somebody somebody if, if baptized in the proper manner, that being Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, um, to to be born again. But it's kind of a slow drip for a lot of Catholics, and so. Um, you know, you're you're raised in the church. You've gone to church. You receive the sacraments, um, but a lot of times, life just goes on, and there's there's not the grand sense of what the evangelical person walking up to you and the evangelical church or even mega church they want to take you to, which has its own experience that is a little bit different than what we experience in our church, in, in the Catholic Church, which is high reverence, you know, high devotion, no silliness. It is about that altar and the representation of the sacrifice of the cross on that altar globally. So it's, it's a different thing. Then somebody comes along and they're enthused about their faith. They're enthused about their church. And they tell you, you know, don't you want to don't you want to receive Jesus? Don't you want to come on? And as many times the Catholic doesn't even know that, that they've received Jesus, not only once, but every time they go to Mass and receive the Eucharist, they're receiving Jesus. And so this enthusiasm you know, is presented to them. They go to a church, and, and something different happens, and they say, yes, Lord, come into my life. Well, that, that expression on its own, separate of the Catholic or sacramental life isn't sufficient. And so, Marcus, let me let me describe this. You know, Catholics and Orthodox and Protestants, many within Protestants, do believe you must be born again. For a lot of the high denominations, that yes. expression's not even in there too much. It's kind of like you just good American Christian guy, you know what I mean? Good, good morals, yes. good ethics, go home at night, don't cheat on your husband or your wife, and raise your kids, all that kind of thing. Uh, teaching. But for the most part, we agree on that. Where the separation kind of comes is the how-tos of becoming born again. So for many, in the evangelical move at least, it's like this. Hey, my friend, simply ask Jesus in your heart to be your personal Savior, 
and you're going to be fine. You're going to go to heaven. You've kind of locked it in, you know, to others. Maybe they talked a little bit more. Hey, you got to repent of your sins, man. You got to walk away from that life. Just have faith in Jesus as the risen Savior. Ask him in your heart. Let's have a water baptism, you know, just sort of an outward sign of an inward work. And and you're fine. And, and to others, you know, it's kind of like, yeah, like sort of clean up your life and, and be accepted and slowly you move toward being born again. But to, you know, to defend these theories of the of the water and and the spirit, uh, evangelicals and Calvinists have had to come up with this, you know, amniotic fluid presentation yep. that, that 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 does not speak of baptism. But to sort of counteract that. Way back, let me just go through three or four different, you know, great saints and teachers of old that taught this. Way back, A.D. 151, Justin Martyr wrote this brief sentence. As many as are persuaded and believe that what we Christians teach and say is true are brought by us where there is water are, and are regenerated in the same manner in which we ourselves were regenerated. In 190, Arrhenius, the Bishop of Lyons, he taught the same thing. In year 252, Cyprian, the Bishop of Carthage, he taught the same thing. I won't, I won't read these to you, but they were clarifying the teaching that water baptism brings us into this new life. Augustine, even in, in the you know 400s, um, wrote and had teachings along the line. And not only that, listen to this, Martin Luther wrote in his short catechism that baptism, quote, works the forgiveness of sins delivers from death and the devil, and grants eternal life to all who believe. So, you know, he believed in baptismal regeneration. Yeah, and uh, uh, go ahead, Steve. Uh, uh, yeah. And before I, and I interrupt, I, you know, I'll let you go ahead. <laughs> uh, yeah, let me, let me touch on, on one other thing. Let's turn over to, to 1 Peter, uh, for those that, that do have their Bibles out. 1 Peter chapter 3 a great text that, you know, I, I mean, Marcus, I had to work around texts as a Protestant pastor. I had right. to work around. I mean, no no doubt, no matter who you are, Catholic or Protestant, there's verses that sort of make you go, hmm, you know, uh, <laughs> we have plenty of books on the hard sayings of the Bible and, and those kinds of things. But there are verses I had to, I had to work on. I had to really work around ones about divorce you know, yeah. and remarriage. Yeah. I mean, for, for a Protestant, they're getting married, divorced, and remarried like nobody's business, still pastoring. Don't yeah. step out. Just move right on, you know. And th those verses in Matthew 5, Matthew 19, had to work around those. First Peter 3, verse 20 and 21. Um, allow me to read this. It says, sure. For who formerly did not obey, when God's patience waited in the days of Noah, during the, re during the building of the ark in which a few, that is eight persons, were saved through water. Verse 21, baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you, not as a removal of the dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a clear conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Those words, what are you going to do with those words? <laughs> what says baptism now saves you, not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a, for a clear conscience. That verse reflects us back to the Old Testament, and the Old Testament is filled with types and shadows, which is 
which we've all learned in any kind of school or Bible training class, that types and shadows are an absolute way in which the scriptures, typically from the Old Testament, come to life as seen through the New Testament. You know, Steve, in let fact, me, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. No, you go ahead, please. Well, I was just going to uh, address the question of why throughout, especially the last 500 years, uh, we see since Luther and Calvin and, and the group a movements constantly in the last 500 years, um, this idea of the need for um, this kind of non-sacramental uh, being born again. And to me it is that the problem is that the presumption, Protestant and Catholic presumptions, the, the Protestant presumption is I accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior back at Bible camp, uh, you know, 50 years yeah. ago, yeah. and um, did my life change any? And the Catholic presumption is, well, I was baptized when I was two months old, or so, and it did make a difference. So we have people looking and seeing that this stuff happened to me, and it didn't change my life. What's wrong with that? And that's when Sim says, yeah, it's because you need to be born again. And the presumptions are that they forget the second half of the equation, that in in baptism is when you become in Christ. You become a new creation. The old is gone, as new has come. Or as mm-hmm. it says in Ephesians 1, um, in him you also, who have heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and have believed in him and were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. Being sealed with the Holy Spirit is baptism. That's the first yes. half of the equation. But the second half of the equation is that the graces that you receive in this great sacrament have to be actualized through the choices of our will. We have mm-hmm. to respond. And that's why, for example, that the book of Ephesians, what I just read was in chapter 1, being sealed with the Holy Spirit, that's baptism. But that's why he has to later say in in the same book, hey, you still got to put off the old. You got to put on the new. You've got to live a life of holiness. You got to live according to that baptism because it doesn't guarantee you. And that's why in baptism, isn't that right, Steve? That part of the equation is you getting baptized as a little baby, but the other half of the equation are the parents that promise to bring that child up to know the faith so that later in life they can confirm that faith and receive that born-again, changed life. Yes. Go ahead. Well, and and that's that's so clear the way you said it, because that's what happened to me at Mission Beach that time when I thought I was getting born again. But what it was, I actuated or actualized, as you said, I started putting on the new life that was already there. Yes, I, I thought it wasn't there because I didn't. I didn't understand that teaching at that point, and I'd gotten so far into darkness I couldn't see. But all of a sudden, you know, I am putting off the old man. All of a sudden, I'm putting on the new man, and my morality, my thought life, things started to change. And and of course, I then began to engage with other people who were trying to, you know, love their family and love God and do the right thing. And you you merge into a community you know, where you're 
changes are exciting and you're talking with people about this right life but it, but as you said and as Romans talks about as Colossians and Ephesians talk about you've got to put off the old actually if you you put on the new first and that automatically helps you put off the old otherwise <laughs> it's just it's just strong willpower and I have I was raised with a lot of self-discipline in my family I know how to self-discipline myself into like right living but i've come to find over the years that if i you know take advantage if you want to say it that way of the sacramental life that i was raised with and and presently living in that it's the holy spirit who is changing me you know it's my prayers and, and intercessions to the saints that is that is changing things in and around my life and it's just that that combination um, if, if it were mathematics, it would just be one plus one is two. Sacramental baptism, sacramental life, plus putting on the new, putting off the old. That, that helps you understand John chapter 3, back to where we started you know, this afternoon, that, it, that the water is the baptism, the spirit is the work, and that's just the way it is, and that's the way it's been taught <laughs> since the early days. That's the way it is presently taught. And, and what we have is, is that one of the rubs, as you started to mention about the last 500 years, is that, is that Luther, not so much Luther at the very beginning, but as years went on, began to see you know, works and faith, right? That, that yep. it is purely faith and not works, and that baptism was considered a work. So um, he, he wanted it to be you know, just it's just faith alone. And so in the last couple hundred years, you know, we we have the great preachers and it's just easy. Set up a giant microphone, a giant stage, a giant arena and just bring great music and preach. Don't you want Jesus? Just come down here right now and somebody's going to meet you down here and we're going to have you ask Christ into your heart and your life is going to change. And and then you're set. You know, I mean, it's not going to be said this way, but, you know, you're kind of guaranteed heaven. And that is really far from historical Christianity as we know it. Yeah, I mean, if we were to make a correction to that experience, we would we would talk to them about where they baptized, explain what their baptize, baptism did to them, explain their movement forward in acceptance of Christ as a confirmation of what God had already done in their life by grace, and now yeah. challenge them to live that life by grace. Because unless someone is mishearing us right now, we're not in saying, oh, you Catholics, it's all about works. We're not talking about, yes, you were baptized, and now you got to work it out. It's all no. grace. It is all grace. And the reason oh. we can see it's all grace is because as Catholics, the Church encourages us every week to go back to Mass so that we can praise God and receive grace so that we can live that life. And that's what the Eucharist is about, is receiving the graces so that we can live out our baptismal blessing that we've received when we became a part of the body of Christ. You know, we, we, we have to keep, you know, sometimes the church, the, the church has been teaching things forever. Sometimes we just haven't heard. And, and sometimes we haven't taken the time to, as adults to restudy our catechism and to restudy what the church teaches. And there's, and there's so many opportunities these days for, for a Catholic. We, we have, 
you know, years ago, there wasn't as many, um, you know, teachers that were out there. They are, it was our priests that gave, you know, 15 minute homilies and, and that was, you know, kind of it. But if you're, if you're hungry now, there is a app on your phone. There is a teacher <laughs> coming into your parish. There is a website to go to. I want you, of course, to, to discuss your own website, but there is every opportunity for a Catholic to be fired up and excited about their faith. And the answer, the simple answer a Catholic must have to somebody that says, hey, man, are you born again? Is yes, I was born again when I was baptized. And, you know, maybe instead of being sort of defensive and afraid, you know, maybe we as Catholics can learn to ask the questions. Um, I just put together 24 questions and I've tested it on some people. And my questionnaire is, is, is this to people. You might be more Catholic than you know, or you might be leading yourself, being led towards Catholicism and don't know. And so I form these fun questions, you know, because, <laughs> because when you ask people, and I know this is off subject, but just a quick example, Marcus. I, one of the questions is, have you read any part of First or Second Corinthians? Every Christian's going to say yes. I said, have you read any part of Third Corinthians? And like, well, is there a Third Corinthians? Well, there actually was. Paul did write a third letter to the Corinthians. Why isn't it in the Bible? And that creates a whole, you know, opportunity <laughs> for a Catholic to begin to describe. Hey, who was who were those guys that formulated the Bible? Those were the Catholic guys. Those were the saints we talk about. So, I mean, I think it's time for us, us Catholics, to be able to, you know, maybe reach out with gracious, grace-filled, merciful questions that have true sincerity and a desire to uh, to bring these things out to people. And instead of being that sh guy having to sort of sit back when you're asked, "Hey, man, you born again? Are you saved?" and not really know what to say. Absolutely, I'm born again because I've been baptized. Well, Steve, thank you so much for joining us today on Deep in Scripture. I feel like we just scratched the surface, but I want to say two things just in reminder of what you said. Number one, we live at a great time and because of the Internet Absolutely. and the availability of so many uh, uh, in the, up there in the blogosphere that the accessibility to the authentic teaching of the Church is very, very Available And the second thing, of course, you mentioned is a catechism. We live at a great time when we have that wonderful compendium of the truth of the church that's so well put together, so scriptural, and we truly encourage anyone that uh, wants to know more about the Catholic faith to look at the catechism, which again is online. So Steve, thank yes. you again for joining us on you the program. Bet. Take care. And thank you for joining us on Deep in Scripture. I hope this program has been encouragement to you. And again, go to our website, chnetwork.org, to find out more about our work and the resources that are so easily available. Thank you. Deep in Scripture is a production of the Coming Home Network International. To hear more episodes, view our full archive of written and video conversion stories, participate in our online community forum, and more, visit chnetwork.org. You're also invited to explore free membership in the Coming Home Network and receive support on your own Catholic journey. Again, visit chnetwork.org for more information.